Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. The new year is upon us, and I can't even believe it. But for many of us, we love starting the new year with a list of goals, things we want to accomplish in the new year. And if getting better control of your finances or getting more of a handle on your grocery budget is something that is in your plans for the new year or something you just want to get a handle on in general, Today, I want to share with you 10 ways to save on your groceries this new year without needing to clip a single coupon. Does cooking feel like a struggle more often than you want to admit? Do school lunches get boring after the third week and even cereal for breakfast sometimes feels like too much effort? let alone feeding yourself and your family meals with vegetables they'll actually eat? If you're a busy mama like me, you can probably relate. I'm Chris Dovniak, and welcome to My Healthy Mama Kitchen. I'm a trained chef, culinary nutritionist, and mama of two, and I'm here to guide you in making healthy eating easy and accessible by simplifying your meal plan, demystifying meal prep, taking the stress out of weeknight dinners, and helping you learn to cook your family delicious, nutrient-dense meals along the way, without spending hours in the kitchen or thousands of dollars a month at Whole Foods. In this podcast, I'm here to share my best tips, tools, and hacks for your real-life Healthy Mama kitchen with a side of humor and sometimes a little bit of spice. So grab your favorite apron and let's get cooking. Welcome back to the Healthy Mama Kitchen podcast. I'm Chris Dovniak, your host, and I have heard from many of you in the Healthy Mama community that you are pretty stressed out by the rising grocery prices. I was sharing my groceries as I do almost every single week on Instagram a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned that on a Friday afternoon, my husband and I usually do date night on Fridays or Saturdays, and usually Friday nights we get something for the kids. And then we either eat something special that I've recipe tested that week, that night it happened to be like an appetizer night, or we do takeout, we just have a little bit of parents-only time to ourselves, a little date night at home. So I asked the kids what they wanted because we didn't have any like mac and cheese or anything like that on hand, and they said they wanted fish sticks. And I'm like, all right, they have some corn-free fish sticks um, at Publix. So we went over to Publix, and I asked them what they wanted on the side, and they said they wanted broccoli. 
okay, cool. You want broccoli on the side. Not going to argue with that. So I go over to the broccoli and I realize that one bunch of broccoli is $3.99. That's four bucks for one bunch of broccoli. And this wasn't even an organic bunch of broccoli. This is just regular old conventional broccoli from Publix. I live in West Central Florida. So this was insane to me. I have not seen prices that high on broccoli in I don't know how long, especially non-organic broccoli. And I knew that the broccoli at Aldi was not that expensive. So I made a bargain with her. I was like, hey, can we do something else tonight? And I will get broccoli for next week at Aldi because it's kind of a staple in our grocery list because the kids love broccoli, obviously, if they asked for it as part of their special meal. So we decided to do that and got something different. We did a little salad kit for them because they like Caesar salad. But I was floored at how expensive broccoli is. And not just how expensive broccoli is, but how expensive everything seems to be. Inflation is real. And even though I'm not stressed out about it because I know a ton about grocery budgeting and making eating healthy work on a budget... I know that it's stressful for many of you. And at this point, I know how to go, okay, we can just shift things around and have broccoli later. But especially if you have taken the time to make your meal plan, you go to the grocery store, you get all of your groceries, and you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't intend on spending this much. It can be really stressful, especially after the holidays especially if you have finance goals this new year or just in general. And I really want to stress right now that you do not to be, you don't need to be someone who lives paycheck to paycheck in order to be concerned about your grocery budget or in order to hone in on spending less at the grocery store. And if you are, even better so. It's going to make you feel less stressed to know that you are more in control of your spending. The grocery store should not dictate how much you spend on groceries. It is about learning how to utilize your money well. And as I share in the Budget Kitchen Guide, it is about spending less and wasting less. So there are so many things that you can do to feel more in control of your grocery spending this new year. So today, I want to help you feel less stressed about those rising grocery prices, and I want to give you some solid tips for how to save on groceries this new year or whenever you happen to be listening to this episode. Tip number one, it's probably not going to be a surprise, but it is to meal plan. You have to have a plan so you can make a grocery list, so you can go to the store with your list. There is no way that you are going to be in control of your grocery budget if you go to the store without a list. And like I said, in order to have a list, you need to have a plan. Now, yes, we can write down a whole bunch of things we think we need for the week, and maybe sometimes we'll get it right. But more often than not, if we go with just a random list we wrote down without an actual plan, we end up having to go back to the grocery store. Studies show that the more we go to the store, the more likely we are to spend. It's not like we're just dividing up our weekly shopping into smaller trips. We end up spending more overall. So the less we go to the store, the less we spend. And the more intentional we are with what we are going to buy, what we are planning to buy at the grocery store, the better off we are. 
So the first thing that you can do is focus on meal planning this new year. And I want to remind you that there is no one-size-fits-all way to meal plan. I have the Healthy Mama Meal Planner, which shares with you my best tools for meal planning. It's a whole meal planning notebook, so you can write your meal plans in that meal planner. But it also encourages you to use whatever meal planning style works the best for you, whether you want to use a rotating meal plan, use themes for your meal plan. If you want a meal plan for up to a month at a time, that's all in there within the Healthy Mama Meal Planner, both the printed version and the digital version. And I also share all of the different ways that you can meal plan. Well, not all of the different ways, but four specific different ways you can meal plan in my Flexible Meal Planning Secrets Masterclass. So if you want to grab the replay of that, I'll put that link in the show notes. But I also have a ton of information here on the podcast about meal planning, including the last two official episodes of the Healthy Mama Kitchen podcast in 2022. I shared four tips on meal planning in the new year and the three routines you need to make meals easier in the new year. Both of those things talk more about making meal planning work for you. So I'll link those episodes in the show notes and this will help you kind of get into that meal planning routine this new year. It is the first and most important thing that you can do to get control of your grocery spending this new year is finding a meal planning style that works for you. And again, it doesn't need to be the exact same way that I do it or the exact same way that anyone else does it. It just needs to work for you because what's most important is that you get into a routine of it, it becomes a habit, and that you have a plan before you go to the grocery store. Tip number two has to do with your meal plan and with that meal planning process. The second thing that you can do is make sure you are starting with what you have on hand first. Again, this is another tool that the Healthy Mama Meal Planner has, but you can also get this printable in my uh, meal planning guide, my free meal planning guide. So that link will is always in the show notes. You can always grab that as well. But it, I call it the on-hand list. So basically, every week before you go ahead and do your meal plan, you're going to do a quick glance at your fridge, your freezer, and your pantry. And you're going to jot down anything that you have on hand that you need to use. So anything in the fridge that's going to go bad, anything you want to use out of the freezer and the pantry. Maybe something's been sitting in your pantry for a while. You're like, that can of chickpeas has been sitting there for four weeks. I've got to use it. You can plan around that. And there's one protein for the week you don't have to worry about. The same thing with your freezer. Do you have meat in your freezer or vegetables in your freezer that you can use in your meals? Or maybe you have something you froze that you can use for an entire meal. And that's one less meal you need to plan for and worry about. So what do you have on hand? Once you do a quick glance of your pantry, fridge, and freezer, this is not a full inventory. I do recommend you do that at least twice a year, if not once a season. I typically do it about three times a year. This is not a full inventory. I do want you to do that a couple times a year to see what you have on hand, to be able to use those in your meal plan. Doing a pantry purge is a great way to save money. But right now, we're just talking about weekly, consistently saving on monies, uh, saving money on groceries. You want to use your on-hand list. You want to see what you have on hand first. Shop your own house before you go to the grocery store. Because like I said, the two main principles of eating well on a budget are spending less and wasting less. If we forget about what we have on hand, it's easy for those things to eventually go bad, sometimes quicker than others if there are things in the fridge like produce and meat. 
or things in the freezer end up getting freezer burnt because we shove them to the back and we forget about them. And even things in the pantry will eventually go bad. Some of them take longer than others, but they will eventually go bad if we forget about them. So it's important to know what we have. And again, this is not a full inventory. It's just a glance. And then after you do that glance, you jot those things down. I like you to go ahead and write down a couple ideas. Just do a quick brainstorm. Things that, you know, these are usually family favorites. So things that you know that your family or recipes or meal ideas you know your family enjoys. If you have those things on hand, chances are you bought them for a reason. And if you're not sure, then you can go on Pinterest and you can look up ideas with kidney beans, for instance, if you bought them for something and then you didn't end up using them. But I want you to just first start with a quick brainstorm. If you need to grab your family favorites list of recipes or meal ideas that you eat on the regular to give you a little inspiration, you can do that. But the first thing I want you to do, look at what you have, do a little brainstorm with what you have first. The next thing, number three, that's going to help you to save on groceries this new year is to be intentional about your grocery list. There is a reason I have the grocery list categorized the way I do in the meal planner or the meal planning notepad. It is categorized by store category. So there's a section for produce, a section for meat and fish, a section for dairy and freezer, and a section for dry goods. The reason why it's divided into these four sections are because those sections are typically together in most grocery stores. So most, you know, your Trader Joe's, your Aldi, your Publix, your Shaw's or Stop and Shop. I'm from the Northeast and now I live in Florida. So those are the only grocery stores I know. (laughs) Well, the ones that I shop at or have shopped at at least. Most of your grocery stores are going to have a similar layout. So when you are intentional about instead of just writing your grocery list on the back of an old bill and going to the grocery store at that, when you write your grocery list out by categories, you can stay in that one section of the grocery store, get what you need, then move on to the next section. This saves you from going back and forth throughout the store and, you know, just kind of running back and forth because I forgot this thing or I forgot this thing or, oh, shoot, I forgot I needed lemons. When you do that, you spend more time in the store. And like I mentioned before, more shopping trips equal more money spent. The longer time you spend in the store, the more money you tend to spend as well, especially if you've got kids with you, because you are exposed to more of the store. You see more of the sales. You see more of the bright and shiny end caps enticing you to buy things. Stores don't just put things out because they feel like it. There's marketing behind it. There's a reason these things are on the end cap. There are those big, bright yellow or red or whatever color they are, sales signs that make us think, ooh, this is going to be a good deal. It might be, it might not be. And this is something I'm going to go over a ton more in my Healthy Mama on a Budget course, which is coming out later this month. More on that in a later episode. But this is really important to understand whether sales work for us or they don't. Most of the time, it's it's probably not even worth it. I'll just leave it at that for now. What's most important is that you are intentional about your grocery list, so you're in and out of the store just getting what you need and avoiding more of those impulse purchases. Tip number four is to assess where you're shopping and price compare. I used the example at the top of the episode about the broccoli at Publix. Now, this Publix is very close to our house. It's right around the corner. It is the most convenient grocery store by a landslide. Now, Aldi's only about 10 minutes away. It's not that much further. 
But if we're thinking convenience, yeah, it is way easier just to pop around the corner to Publix. Like we could probably we could definitely walk there if we wanted to. And we typically don't because it's kind of off of a main road. But it's definitely more convenient. It's quicker. Is it worth it to go to Aldi? Yeah, it's half the price of the broccoli at Aldi than it is at Publix. And even when you compare the organics, the organic is still like $2.49 versus $4.99 at Publix. It is insane how much more expensive it is. And that's just our grocery stores in our region. This is going to be different depending on where you live because grocery prices are different across the U.S., in Canada, and then in other countries, depending on where you live. You can use all of these principles no matter where you live and how you grocery shop. These are all kind of basic principles. So the actual numbers might be different for you. But what's important is that you take a look at where you're grocery shopping and you ask yourself, is there a place I could shop that would be a little bit less expensive? If this is something you want to be intentional about this year, it can be really helpful to do some price comparing. So take a month, shop with a similar grocery list, at least your staples. You can get a good idea. You're going to be buying some of the same things week after week. You can look at your staples list and price compare. Which grocery store do you spend less at when you shop? Even though, you know, some of the ingredients are going to be variable, which ones do you spend less at? For us, it's Aldi and Trader Joe's are much less than when we go to Publix and Whole Foods. Now, a lot of people Think Whole Foods, Whole Paycheck. I don't actually think that Whole Foods is the most expensive grocery store if you know how to shop the sales and you have Amazon Prime. It is about how you shop just as much as it is where you shop. But I do think that it is important to know, okay, is there a better option for me in a a place that is convenient enough for me? It might not be the most convenient place to shop, but is there a better option for me? And maybe that just means going to that less expensive grocery store twice a month instead of every single week. That will save you just doing that. Tip number five is to shop in bulk wisely, doing a monthly stock up for essentials if you like to buy in bulk. One of the mistakes I see people make is assuming that just because you're buying something in bulk, it's a better deal. And this can sometimes be true. A lot of the time, it is true for items you use on the regular. However, it's not always the best option if you don't end up using everything you buy in bulk in a reasonable time period. So what I want you to start asking yourself is if you are going to go to a bulk store like Costco or Sam's Club or BJ's, anything like that, or use bulk bins, which I am a huge fan of, especially for dry goods. But if you are going to buy in bulk, are you going to use the amount you buy before the next time you go to the bulk store or before they go bad? There's no reason to buy an entire case of something if it's going to go bad before you use it all. In that case, you are not saving money. Even if those cans were less per unit, okay, and I'm using cans as an example, which probably isn't the best example because canned goods don't go bad quickly, but just stick with me for this. Yes, they might be less per unit, but if you don't use them all, you're still wasting that money that you spent. 
Okay, so you would have been better off just buying four cans for, say, $4 rather than buying 16 cans for, you know, 50 cents each. Right. You see what I mean? Because you're still wasting. And then, you know, because you you bought you bought 16 cans. So you still spent four times as much. If you only use those four cans, you ended up wasting $12, right? Well, maybe not $12 if they're 50 cents each, but you ended up wasting $6, right? Please don't go back and calculate my math. I am the absolute absolute worst at doing math in my head. I promise you, I'm good at grocery budgeting, but I use I use calculators. <laughs> my forte is uh, writing and cooking. Okay. All right. So shop in bulk wisely. So you are going to buy things that your family uses regularly in bulk and that you will go through before it either goes bad. So this is very important when it comes to produce or proteins. You can freeze fresh proteins if you have the freezer space. And if you don't, then don't buy more than you need. And the same thing with produce. If you can't freeze it and you're not going to finish it in time, then you're going to want to buy a smaller amount. And the same thing with dry goods as well. Again, cans were not the best example there because they do last a long time, but you want to make sure that you are actually using it up. And the same thing goes for sales. If you're not going to use it before it goes on sale again, well, then it wasn't actually worth it. You're spending money you could have spent on something else. Okay, tip number six, experiment with cooking with less expensive meat. Okay, I know a lot of you will go, oh, but less expensive meat isn't going to be as flavorful. That could not be farther from the truth. Some of the least expensive meat is the most flavorful. We might just not be used to cooking with it. So things like chicken thighs are much, much less expensive, usually about a dollar less on average per pound than chicken breast. And I know if you're only buying two pounds of chicken thighs or two pounds of chicken breast, okay, maybe that's just a couple bucks. But those couple bucks add up. If you consider if that's $2 per week per year, that is $104 a year more than you could have spent. Not saying you always need to buy chicken thighs versus chicken breast. I use both. But if you start becoming comfortable with using some of these less expensive meat, it can add up over time. So you're not always buying the expensive chicken breast. And that's just one, you know, that's that's one example there. But the same thing goes for other cuts of meat and other types of protein as well. When you experiment with becoming more comfortable with using some of these less expensive cuts, like using a chuck roast and turning it into a delicious pot roast, for instance. I have a Mississippi-style pot roast, a healthier Mississippi-style pot roast that is so good. My family loves it in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club this month. And then we took the leftovers and turned it into a beef fried rice, which my older daughter was like, I don't really like fried rice. I don't know if I'm going to like this. And then she ate like three helpings of it. So super good and a very inexpensive meat, especially because we are using it for two meals. Now, it is a bigger piece of meat, so you are going to spend a little bit more on it. But it lasted us two meals plus leftovers. So essentially, 
three full meals for about $3 a meal. I think it ended up being, nope, $5 a meal because it was about $15 for the chuck roast that we got. And it was a pretty good quality chuck roast. It was about $5 per pound. So it was a three pound chuck roast. It was $5 per meal. Three full meals, okay, is just a little over a dollar per person. And that was a good quality chuck roast. You could definitely get it for less depending on where you bought it. We bought it at Whole Foods, so it was a little bit more expensive. But that's just one, you know, one instance, right? Another example would be using the whole chicken. A whole chicken is almost always less per pound than buying the individual parts. It's just like buying anything with packaging, which we'll talk about later. You pay for the packaging. You also pay for them to take the chicken apart for you, whether it's through a machine or a person's taking the chicken apart. You pay for that labor. So it is less expensive to buy the whole chicken, less expensive per pound, and you can utilize that in multiple meals as well. So consider things like buying a larger piece of meat or using less expensive pieces of meat. Tip number seven is to choose in-season produce. Stay tuned for an episode later this month where we talk about what's in season in the wintertime. We talked about this in the fall. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode, it was just about eight or 10 episodes ago where I share what's in season in the fall and those things, many of them are still in season now. We're coming into the winter, which is like the most bare bones time when it comes to produce, well, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, because it's colder, even though it's a little bit warmer where I am down in Florida, it is our growing season now. We're still a little bit more limited than we are in the springtime. Overall, it's a little bit more bare at the grocery stores when it comes to in-season produce, but it doesn't mean that we can't focus on the produce that is in-season because in-season produce is naturally going to be less expensive because it's more available. Things that are going to take longer to get to us or are harder to grow or harder to pick are more expensive. For instance, cherries and asparagus are always going to be more expensive because they are harder to pick. Well, I think cherries might also be harder to grow. I'm not a gardener, but if it's harder to grow or harder to pick, it tends to be a little bit more expensive. If it is in more abundance, it is going to be less expensive because there's lots of it. The produce that is in season is going to be less expensive. So whatever season you're listening this to this in, choose your in-season produce. So I have a little tiny in-season produce chart at the back of the Healthy Mama Meal Planner, and the bigger version of that is in the Budget Kitchen Guide as well, so you have an idea of what is in season. There are some things that are in season all year round, like bananas. Obviously, for most of us in the U.S., we're not getting them from the U.S. They're not exactly local, but you can get them inexpensively year-round. Things like potatoes you can get pretty much year-round. So there are some things that are in-season year-round. But for the most part, the things that are not in-season year-round, you can use those and they're going to be less expensive. Tip number eight is to DIY before you buy. And before your eyes or your ears glaze over at this, this does not need to be overly complicated. This does not need to mean that you spend hours and hours making all of your own yogurt and your own um, bread and all of these things. You can absolutely do those things and you will save money doing that. 
But I'm talking about simple things like granola. Do you know how inexpensive it is to make your own granola versus buying granola at the store? You get like twice as much and it's half the price. Now, if you are buying a large bag of nuts, the nut might cost you a bit, but you're not using that whole bag of nuts. You can plan to use those in another recipe. Let's say an energy ball recipe or homemade granola bars or homemade almond milk, something like that. I'm just using almonds as an example, but any sort of nuts you can make into a homemade nut milk, which is arguably not as expensive, uh, or sorry, not as inexpensive because you they tend to water it down more. So it kind of depends on how much you add to your nut milk. But I digress. Oat milk is less expensive to make at home. If you want to make your own homemade milk, oat milk is less expensive. But that's another example. You can make homemade oat milk and you can make homemade oat flour so easily. And if you buy certified gluten-free oats, it is probably the most inexpensive gluten-free flour is oat flour because you can make it at home in a blender or a food processor. It does have a little bit more texture than the kind you'd buy in the store, but it's much less expensive. So you can make your own homemade granola. You can make your own homemade salad dressings. There are so many things that you can make at home that are much less expensive, especially when you're using good quality ingredients. That's where it tends to make a big difference. And there are some things that I don't find worth it to make at home, like ketchup. Ketchup's inexpensive. Even if we buy the organic, good quality ingredient ketchup, it's just too much energy. I'm not going to make it at home. I'm not making mustard at home. You can. You can totally make these things. But for me, it's too much effort. It's not worth it. My kids eat enough ketchup that I'm like, I am not making that every other week. But something that is worth me making at home is spice blends. I love making my own homemade taco seasoning. And again, you make three times as much as you would get in the packet of taco seasoning. So that's another example of something very easy to make at home, much less expensive, per the amount that I use and you end up making more. So consider what you can DIY before you buy. Tip number nine, reduce food packaging as much as possible. Like I mentioned with the meat, meat that is in pieces, you pay for the processing. The same thing with food packaging. You pay for the packaging. So even as simple as buying the bigger box of goldfish instead of the little bags, if you are going to use it, okay, if you're not going to use it, then it's not worth it. If it goes stale, it's not worth it. But instead of buying the little individual bags of things, and we do that, we buy little individual packages of some snack items, especially the things we take on the go because they're easier. And things like little bags of popcorn. My youngest daughter really likes bags of popcorn. So we buy the lesser evil coconut oil popcorn or little meat sticks. I'm not going to make those at home. Could I? Probably. Am I going to? No. But we take them on the go. And so if we open up the big bag of popcorn, it inevitably will go bad or half of it will go stale within a couple of days. So we'll buy the little bags and we can bring them with us to the beach or the park or wherever we end up going. So that's worth it for us to buy those little bags. But for the rest of the time, we like to buy things in a larger bag or a larger quantity because then we can, then we're saving on that packaging. So the more you can reduce food packaging, the better. I actually shared over on Instagram a comparison at Whole Foods of using the bulk bins for oats versus the same exact oats. So their Whole Foods brand 365, non-organic, just rolled oats. Uh, sorry, they were organic. That doesn't really matter for this for this um, purpose, though. So their, and I can't remember the exact prices. I don't have them in front of me, but their 
organic rolled oats in the bulk bin versus the smaller box of oats versus the larger box of oats. It looks like the smaller box is the least expensive because it's only like $3.99 or whatever it is. And then the next box is like $7.99 or whatever it is, the bigger box. And then you look at the bulk bin and it's like, oh, $3.29 per whatever it is, per pound. I think it's probably per pound. And you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, obviously in this instance, the bulk is less expensive, but especially when you're like, oh, if you don't, if you're wary about bulk bins or you're not used to buying bulk bin uh, out of the bulk bins, it's easy to just go and grab what's on the shelf, right? And it looks like the smaller package is less expensive. But when you look at per ounce and you consider that there is packaging involved, you realize that, first of all, the bigger package is much less, less expensive than the smaller package of oats and the bulk is even less expensive. And again, we need to remember that these things add up. Even if it's just like 20 cents an ounce, I think is what it was, different, that adds up, especially if it's a full pound, if it's 16 ounces. Again, needing to do that math, okay? So if it's that 16 ounces, okay, if it's 20 cents per ounce, okay, then we are saving a significant amount there, right? If we're buying a pound of oats, that's $3 different, all right? And I'm not sure if it's actually 20 cents per ounce, so don't like quote me on any of this, but I'm just trying to emphasize that these small things add up because that is $3 you could have spent on something else or you could have saved. So these small things really do add up over time, which is hard to see unless you are looking at your grocery receipts, which is also something I talk about in the Budget Kitchen Guide and in the upcoming Healthy Mama on a Budget course. Make sure you're on my email list if you want to learn more about that or keep listening to the podcast because we'll talk about that soon. So reduce food packaging as much as possible. Use bulk bins, choose the larger package and avoid individual packaged things as much as makes sense for you. And tip number 10. Okay, I already kind of mentioned this, and I think I sort of forgot that this was tip number 10. And I'm looking at an outline right now, but I kind of forgot about this. I've mentioned this a couple times, and it's it's just really important, and I want to drive this home. Avoid the sales trap. They're on sale for a reason, okay? Sometimes it's because they made a lot of it or it's the time of the year for that sale. Things go on sale cyclically at grocery stores, so they will make more canned pumpkin to bring out more canned pumpkin around Thanksgiving and Christmas for pumpkin pie, right? Or just, you know, pumpkin spice season. So sometimes these things are a better price because they are on sale. And sometimes it does make sense if it's something you use regularly. If the canned tomatoes you use regularly are on sale for less expensive than you would get at Costco or Thrive Market or Aldi, wherever you normally get them, then stock up on them if you use them regularly. But just because it's on sale doesn't mean it's a good deal for you. If you are, if it wasn't on your grocery list and you're not going to use it before, realistically, be honest with yourself about this. It's easy to go, oh yeah, I'll use this. But if you're not going to use it before it goes on sale again, usually it's every six to eight weeks or so or how often sales are cycled. If it's not a specialty item like canned pumpkin, which you sometimes can get year round, sometimes you can't, depending on the store. There are stores like Trader Joe's where 
Um, they kind of move things in and out smaller grocery stores. So you might not always be able to get it. Same thing with Aldi. But those things that you use regularly, it's going to go on sale again. You don't necessarily need to get enough for a year unless you're creating some sort of a stockpile. But other than that instance, you don't need to buy it unless you're going to use it before it goes bad and it's something that you use regularly. Or if it's something on your grocery list, obviously, get the on sale version. That definitely makes sense. But avoid the trap of it's on sale, so it's a good deal. If the, the new question is, is this a good deal for me? Am I going to use this? Is it worth using a portion of my grocery budget or the money I've allotted to spend on groceries this week? So those are my 10 tips, friends. And this episode actually ended up being longer than I had planned on it being. I have so much to talk about on this topic. If you can't tell, I wrote a whole ebook on it and I've written a whole course on it. And I'm so excited to share that because there is so much we can do without sacrificing flavor, without sacrificing satisfying meals, without sacrificing health and nutrition. I think there's this huge idea out there in the budget world, like I said, that you have to be somebody who's struggling or living paycheck to paycheck in order to, you know, focus on eating on a budget or spending less on food. And that couldn't be further from the truth. But if that is you, it's even more expensive, expensive. It's even more important because food costs are expensive right now. But there is so much we can do. And I really want to empower you that you can eat healthy on a budget, that you can eat delicious and satisfying meals on a budget, and you can spend less at the grocery store, even with inflation. It's just about being smart with how you plan, how you grocery shop, and how you actually cook. Those three things will help you to become a budget-minded cook, a budget-minded meal planner, and to really hone in on your grocery budget and feel empowered when it comes to what you're spending at the grocery store. In the next episode, we are going to continue this conversation and we will talk about how to inflation-proof your grocery budget. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I know that you are busy and I very much appreciate you spending your time with me. And I always aim for these episodes to be really, really valuable for you. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out over on Instagram. It is always me answering my DMs. So I'm happy to chat with you more about this. I want to hear how these tips are helping you out. If you haven't yet joined the Healthy Mama Cooking Club, it is the best way to support this podcast and also get weekly meal inspiration, member-exclusive recipes, and bonus podcast episodes for only five bucks a month. So I have an episode out now on how to get into a meal prep routine and how to make it actually work for you. We're not talking about spending hours and hours on the weekend either. We're talking about simple things you can do to simplify your meals. So that is up this week in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. So I hope to see you over there. It's patreon.com slash healthymamachris. I shared a whole bunch of resources in this episode as well. So definitely check out the show notes. All right, friends, have a beautiful week and I will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Mommy's Podcast. Friend, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Healthy Mama Kitchen Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you love to listen to podcasts so you never miss a cooking tip. If you've been loving this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It truly makes a difference in how many other busy cooks find this show and lets me know what you're loving and want to hear more of. 
For show notes and links to all the recipes and tools I mention, head to HealthyMamaChris.com slash podcast. For daily eats, cooking tips, and family-friendly shortcut dinner ideas, be sure to follow along over on Instagram at HealthyMamaChris. Remember, cooking for your family may not always feel easy, but it can be simple.